Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Dennis uh, had a little bit of car trouble, so he will not be on tonight. I am just back from my trip and I will be going solo through uh, a quick recap of the 11 games that we saw yesterday on the week nine Sunday slate leading up to Monday night football tonight. It was, as always, a crazy week, so let's dive in. The first game, Los Angeles Chargers beat the Atlanta Falcons 22-17. It was a tough start for the Chargers. It took them a little while to get on track, but they were finally able to pull out the win. I think the biggest takeaway for me is this team is missing Keenan Allen, who hasn't played since the first half of week one, and we're also missing Mike Williams. They're missing some of those dynamic playmakers. I was impressed with what Josh Palmer did. Eight catches for 106 yards, but we also saw a big dose of uh, Austin Eckler. He had 14 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Also caught seven passes for 24 yards and another touchdown. The Chargers, if they want to compete and go deep in the AFC, are going to need to get their playmakers back. On the flip side, a team that got a playmaker back is the Atlanta Falcons, who welcomed back Cordero Patterson. We saw one of the more efficient games from Tyler Algier uh, with the return of Patterson. He only had 10 carries, but he took it for 99 yards. Patterson also returns 44 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Is involved some in the passing game. The Falcons continue to be a surprisingly decent team, and we'll see what it means. They're glad to have Cordero Patterson back. On the flip side, we will move down to Chicago, where the Miami Dolphins came in and got the 35-32 win over the Bears. We saw a big trade this week as Jeff Wilson joined uh, Mike McDaniel and former teammate Raheem Mostert in Miami, and he made the most of his first appearance. Nine carries, same as Mostert, had 51 yards to only 26 for Mostert. Mostert did get a rushing touch. Down. Wilson managed to catch two passes or three passes, excuse me, for 21 yards and a touchdown as well. I like what Jeff Wilson's doing. I think they went and got him for a reason. I think he needs to be rostered everywhere, and he is probably the back that I want to have from. Miami going forward. I think he's going to be a great fit in the offense. On the flip side, Chicago, pretty decent offensive performance. Uh, Three touchdown day for Justin Fields passing. He also had 178 yards rushing and a touchdown. Did it all. Chase Claypool was quiet. 
two receptions for 13 yards, but I think what having a weapon like that does is opens up the passing lanes for some other players. We saw seven for 43 and a touchdown for Darnell Mooney, five for 41 and two touchdowns for Cole Komet. Some guys who we've been waiting to see if they could get going, they finally got going. Speaking of getting going, we'll go to our next game where the Cincinnati Bengals won 42-21 to over the Carolina Panthers. We'll get to the Bengals in a minute, but first for the Carolina Pam. Panthers, we saw Baker Mayfield kind of coming in the second half and light a spark. He was 14 of 20 for 155 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. As of now, interim coach Steve Wilkes says they're sticking with P.J. Walker, but Walker struggled mightily, three of 10, nine yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, didn't look great, didn't get a big game from Donta Foreman. It's hard to tell what the Panthers are doing. Baker looked good. I still think there's a chance they take a look at Sam Darnold when and if he comes available. And maybe if Matt Corral can get back at some point, he gets a chance to. Things are still a mess in Carolina. P.J. Walker not really looking like the answer. On the flip side for Cincinnati, 22 carries, 153 yards, and four touchdowns for Mick Joe Mixon, who also caught four passes for 58 yards and a touchdown. I had thought Mixon was really going to uh, be able to get something done last week against the Cleveland Browns. It just took a week longer than we were thinking. One of the greatest fantasy performances we've ever seen. Had four touchdowns in the first half. It was a great offensive day for the Cincinnati Bengals. They really need to get Mixon going. They need to have his explosiveness and have him be a part of this offense, especially with Jamar Chase on the shelf for a little while. It has to be heartening for fantasy players to see him get going. Our next game featured two teams that are stuck in the mud a little bit offensively right now, and that's the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. The Lions get the win 15-9 to over the Packers. Green Bay, man, they've had 13 wins each of the last three seasons with Aaron Rodgers, but they look totally lost. Alan Lazard had a decent day, four catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. We also had five for Josiah DeGuara. Dylan, 11 carries for 34. Aaron Jones, who was injured for a little bit, nine carries for 25 yards. They just couldn't get that running game going. It's fair to start to wonder if the Packers are even a playoff team. And you know what? I don't think they are. I think this could well be the changing of the guard in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem comfortable, doesn't seem happy there, and they just can't make that offense click. You're now getting much shorter with your opportunities to try and make things happen. This is a 3-6 and six team that is just going the wrong way. On the flip side, the Lions obviously dealt TJ Hawkinson this week. You wondered what it was going to do to the offense. Amon Ross St. Brown still four. Catches 55, 340 for DeAndre Swift. I think they're still more comfortable with Jamal Williams carrying a bulk of the rushing load right now. This is not going to be as explosive an offense. I'm still just waiting to see what we get when Jamison Williams comes back. It was encouraging to see the Detroit defense do better, although that could be a product of the Green Bay Packers offense. On the next game, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up with a 27-20 win over the Raiders. This is the third time this season that the Raiders have had at least a 17-point lead and blown that lead under Josh McDaniels. A lot of fans are calling, you know, kind of calling him out and have become a little disgruntled. This is a two and six team coming off of a playoff uh, appearance last year that just seems kind of lost. Josh McDaniel said he learned a lot from his first failed coaching attempt in Denver. I'll be honest. We all know that I'm not a huge Josh McDaniels fan, but I did think he was going to be good for the offense here for the Raiders. We just haven't seen that consistency consistently. Them getting blanked last week by the Saints was a really grim sign. Now you have Devontae Adams calling out, seemingly calling out the coach saying they shouldn't be losing these games. It's getting late early for Josh McDaniels for the Raiders. He waited a long time to pick another coaching opportunity, but this may not last long. If the Raiders don't show some kind of spark or signs of life, I wouldn't be totally surprised if he ends up getting moved at the end of the season, which would be a real blow and a real shuffle for the Raiders, but they just have not looked good, and his seat is definitely getting warm. On the flip side, you know, 
second-year quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. We've seen some good things. We've seen some not-so-great things. It was a nice day for Travis Etienne again, had 28 carries for 109 yards and two touchdowns. That's really helping getting things going. It was nice to see Christian Kirk get back in the end zone, had eight catches for 76 yards. Trevor Lawrence didn't throw any interceptions, 25-31, a decent percentage, 235, and a touchdown. I don't think we've seen the explosive highs we thought we might see from a player uh, that had his talent going into the draft where we thought he could be one of the best uh, early, but it does seem like he's picking up to be a solid QB2 down the stretch, which seems like a little bit of progress. On to the next game, the Indianapolis Colts headed to New England and came away with the 26-3 loss. It was a dreadful offensive performance for the Colts. Sam Ellinger in his second start, 15-29, of 103 yards and an interception. They couldn't get anything going on the ground either. Deion Jackson, 11 carries for 23 yards, was their best running back. Four catches for 15 yards for Jordan Wilkins kind of tells you all you need to know. Unsurprisingly, Frank Reich was let go after this game. We thought Reich probably wouldn't survive the season, but uh, a little bit surprised to see him going midseason. Even more surprising is who they brought in to replace him, which is their former uh, Pro Bowl center, Jeff Saturday. He wasn't even a coach on the staff this year. In fact, he's an analyst for ESPN before getting the interim gig today. It's raised a lot of eyebrows. He's very close to owner Jim Ursay, so this could be a move to try and assess the organization as they go through the rest of the season. But at three Three, five, and one, I would say the Colts feel like a team that is definitely done in terms of competitive uh, terms for 2022. It's hard to imagine them having a massive turnaround. And I think the big question is what do they do at quarterback now? Do they go back to Matt Ryan? Do they continue the Sam Ellinger experiment, which doesn't seem to be working at all? They kind of came and went through the trade deadline. This probably doesn't portend great things for general manager Chris Ballard either. This is going to be a story to to be watching. And just a real surprise for me, I thought the Colts were for sure a playoff team. On the flip side for the Patriots, Ramondre Stevenson continues to take a hold of that RB1 position. He feels like a great play for fantasy. Might be the only solid and confident play I have right now for the Patriots. 15 carries for 60 yards. He also caught three passes for 10 yards and got the Patriots lone touchdown on offense. It's not always an exciting game watching the New England offense, but they have certainly been somewhat productive and uh, they seem to be making it happen. On the, on to the next game. Hey, look, what's up here. I thought I was going to be all by myself. No, sir. Had I got the message earlier, I probably would have been here earlier. Not going to lie. Long day, long day. I was taking like a quick 20 minute power nap. So I just saw the message and thought I'd jump on. Well, I've been making my way through the games. I just talked about your favorite, which is Frank Reich, no longer a coach. Yeah, that's uh, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, it's definitely a good thing, I think, for, for Jonathan Taylor, but not, not a great thing, obviously, for the Colts. We'll see what happens with them uh, moving forward. I mean, I, I mean, it's uh, I don't know what to think about it. I mean, we all, I'm pretty sure we all picked them to win the division, didn't we? That's probably not going to happen. Yeah, so it's, it's been it's, one of my biggest surprises for sure, as I, I mentioned. I, I don't know what you thought. I was kind of surprised about the Jeff Saturday pick, too, since he's not even on the staff and had no real experience. It sounds like it's more of a owner brought in a guy to assess an organization. Yeah, I mean, what did what did they say that I believe he's been like in some kind of like outside um, like uh, I forgot what the word that they used Um Dang it! Like it, like some kind of like assessment role or something like that. Like he's been in it. It's. I wonder if it's just kind of like a way to calm the fans down because he's he probably is a fan favorite for the career that he's had in Indianapolis, specifically with Peyton Manning. That maybe it was just one of those things like we're bringing Jeff in to kind of bring to assess the team and all that other stuff. But yeah, I don't. It's not looking great. I think all around. I don't. I don't even know who. I don't even know who off the top of my head would be a great hire at this point. Like, I feel like they're at that. They've been in that moment where they've been trying, I think too hard the past couple of years to be a playoff team instead of just tearing it down. And that's the one thing that kind of scares me about Jonathan Taylor's. I think they're at a point where they just need to tear down completely. And what does that do for a guy like Jonathan Taylor moving forward? Cause I feel like his, 
best well, and if they were going to do that, here. it's strange that they made no moves at the trade deadline. But I think Chris Ballard is gone too. So I wouldn't be surprised. Which is insane because five years ago we were probably talking about him being one of the best GMs in the NFL, and here we are. I think my my other question, which uh, I did when I was in the solo portion, is I'd be curious if they go to Matt Ryan again or if he's even healthy to go to or if they keep rolling with Eleanor, who does not look great. He's not the answer. It, like, I don't. I got it at first and like one of those things where we've kind of talked about with like Sam Howell and those guys, right? Like you got to go to him eventually just to see what you have in them to see if you need to go rookie quarterback. I think it's pretty safe to say he's not it, but do you go back to Matt Ryan? Like at this point, cause they don't have their first round pick, right? They traded it to get Matt Ryan. So even I think if, they traded a third round pick to get was Matt it a Ryan. Third round pick? I can't remember what they yeah, traded. Atlanta I was they just trying have. to do a salary dump. So, but yeah, it, I I don't know. It's it's they're in a very weird place altogether. I really don't know what they're gonna do at this point. Well, on to two teams that actually look like they have playoff aspirations, and one of the more shocking results of Week Nine, the New York Jets played host to the Buffalo Bills and actually came away with the twenty to seventeen win. The Bills fall to six and two. Jets improve to six and three. Both of those look like they could be playoff teams. We'll get to the Jets in a minute. It was kind of a sloppy game for Josh Allen. Um, 18-34, only 205 yards, two interceptions. He had sort of a sloppy second half the week prior, and now he's got this ulnar injury. Any concerns about this stretch for Josh Allen, or is it just something he goes through every year? Yeah, um, mostly about the injury. Uh, Now, I know he suffered this, I believe they said it was like back in 2018. Um. this, it sounds a lot like the Big Ben injury. Uh, and as again, we talked a lot about this with Big Ben. Being a baseball fan, um, I know how much that injury can really set back like your throwing motion if you don't take care of it the right way. I'll be very curious to see what happens. It doesn't sound like it's torn like Big Ben's was. I believe Ben tried like the, the platelet option, which for those of you who don't know, they like inject like certain blood uh platelets and everything into your elbow to kind of allow it to heal faster didn't quite unfortunately work for wolverine blood i think so i don't know well i think it's one of those things where like it's it's i mean it's working for us so that is true uh it's one of those things where like it's in a weird place in your body i believe where like it doesn't get a ton of blood flow if i'm remembering correctly so like they they inject that stuff in there to kind of increase the blood flow because obviously it can help heal that speed up the process of healing uh but anyways yeah, we, we've seen Josh Allen struggle, so hopefully it's not a serious injury. I, I do worry about that because this just feels like that year. This has been a weird year for fantasy, and I'm really worried that we're going to find out news that like Allen's going to be out for a while. Um, but I'm not worried about it. If they say he's going to be healthy and good to go, like he still scored, what, 20-plus points in fantasy? Like For us in fantasy, he's oh, yeah. still been great. Like He's not been bad. Uh, I just think Buffalo goes through these, these ups and downs. They're not a... Um, they're not the Broncos uh, when, like, Peyton was there. The Patriots with um, – sorry, I was trying to talk about, like, consistent teams. The Patriots with Brady, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. I, that's like, I feel like a double shot at you now. I apologize. Like, I'm yeah. trying to think of teams that were, like, really well, good for stretches or Super Bowl stretches that, like, were very consistent in their play. The Bills just haven't been that. You are right that Allen was fine for fantasy because he had 86 yards rushing and two rushing TDs. So, I mean, he basically made up his day that way. He ended up with like 26 points. But I, if he's gone for a long time, I may have to have myself a good cry because I picked Buffalo two years in a row to be in the Super Bowl. And last year, I feel like they could have done it. That game against Kansas City was, was incredible. And whoever won that, I, you know was going to have made it, but they seem like they were going great guns. I was, they took their foot off the gas. It seemed like a little bit last week in the second half after they got up pretty big against the Packers, but I'm wondering if he got banged up then too. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have a lot of shares of him. The only good thing about that is backed him up with Justin Fields and all those spots. 
My God, did he look and, good yesterday? Yeah, four touchdowns. Well, and Justin Herbert just needs some actual NFL receivers to come back for him because yeah. that's not looking good. I, I looked at that game already. Herbert needs uh, to come back. Justin Fields just needs some. Like it's it's a you know the poor Justins, unfortunately. So I looked at this a minute ago, but I thought the biggest impact of Claypool playing this week was that it opened up some some looser coverage for Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, who we actually saw get involved more. And even if Claypool's not catching a hundred passes, having actual weapons all across the field means defenses can't just sit there and key on their running game. Well, I think that helped Fields too. The the having the field stretched out, I feel like He's not going to do what he did this week. I, for, I mean, set the record for rushing yards in a game by quarterback, beats Michael Vick's record. Like, he's not going to do that every game, but I think helping spread the field out it was allowed him to run as much as he was as well. So, like, yeah, he's a oh, – I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy. Yeah. On to the Jets. You know, they made the big trade to get James Robinson. Uh, last week, neither running back did much. This week, it was kind of interesting. Carter had 12 carries for 76 yards and a rushing touchdown. James Robinson had a receiving touchdown, 13 carries for 48. Do you like this tag team duo for the Jets? I do. I mean, who would have thought that the Jets were going to be one of the best teams in the AFC this year? Not me. Uh, I was not a, not expecting them to be this good. But I do like it. I mean, I think you can put the two of those together and get what Brees Hall was doing on his own. Michael Carter, I thought, looked really good yesterday, too. I thought he looked kind of good last week as well. Like, he's not been a bad running back. I think it's a perfect combo for the two because James Robinson, it's almost like what they had in Jacksonville with James Robinson. You have a guy now, now Carter doesn't have the explosiveness that ETN has. They can use him in the run game. He's also a decent receiver. And then they can also use James Robinson in all those roles. He's just a bigger version of Michael Carter. I think it sucks for us in fantasy. Is I think like this week it, it worked out for you. I think if you started both of them, I don't know that that continues every week. So, so likely if you're starting both of them, I think you're going to get clipped on one of them here and there. Like maybe next week Carter has the big week and Robinson's not that good. And then two weeks later, Robinson has this great game and Carter gets you like five points. But I do think that both of them will be usable for the most part, especially with the fact that, while I don't, I'm not out on Wilson, but I just feel like he's continuing to struggle a little bit, even with the weapons around him. I think they they want to continue to play winning by defense and the run game. So I think that Michael Carter and James Robinson will sustain their value for the most part the rest of the season. I can't even imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like in New York City when both the Jets and Giants make the playoffs. I mean, that might be this like this week's sign of the apocalypse. It's the it just again weirdest NFL season I can remember in a long time at this point. It'd be ironic too if both New York City teams make it and both Los Angeles teams miss. Don't yeah. Uh, On to surprisingly the second best team in the NFL by record, and that's the Minnesota Vikings, who pull out a twenty to seventeen win against the Commanders. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about that Kirk Cousins celebration video that's going Dang. around. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. It's TJ Hawkins' first game. You know, you and I had wondered on the trade deadline, or at least I had wondered where he would fit in the pecking order. It certainly seems like he's a clear number two in the past game to Justin Jefferson. What do you think of his debut? And then what did you think of White Chocolate? Hey, we talked a little bit about it last Thursday, right? Like, I wasn't trying to compare him to Jordan Reed athletically because Reed, I think, is is a little bit better of an offensive tight end. But we saw the success that he had with Kirk Cousins. I believe that Logan Thomas had as well before Kirk Cousins left. It's why we were so excited about Irv Smith for, like, the past three years. Like, everybody in the fantasy community was trying to make Irv Smith happen, and then he gets a guy like TJ Hawkinson. It's not surprising to me at all. I know... um. You know, we were both, I believe, high on. I wasn't as high on Adam Thielen, but I know we had both had him high. And I believe KJ we were both Osborne. KJ Osborne as well, and it's because we just we knew somebody else was going to likely take a step forward with Kevin O'Connell there as the the head coach and offensive play caller, and it wasn't working out. So TJ Hawkinson coming over, like good for him, really good for him. Like we talked, I know we were a little bit. Um, what was I think the, the discussion we had last Thursday was like, could he see a decrease in targets but still be more effective if they use him? I said in the red zone, 
Didn't look like they were going to decrease his targets that much with the way they went to him. We'll see if that continues. That's for the white chocolate. Good for him, man. I, I'm a little disappointed <laughs> because everybody's always talked about how, like, Kirk Cousins is, like, he's, like, the dad in the NFL, right? Like, he's that guy, like, all the dads are like, yeah, that could be me. And then he took his shirt off and all the dads are like, nah, that's not me. Like, oh, we, we all hoped he had, like, this dad bought him come to find out this dude's, like, ripped. And uh, so, you know, I don't know the, the whole dance and vibe, though, of that certainly still made him feel like he could be the dad. of the uh, You know what? I mean, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I, I don't care I, if I was ripped that well. I'd have my shirt off 24 seven and dancing like that, too. It'd still be great. I think on the flip side, I feel like KJ Osborne might be borderline droppable because he was having trouble getting traction before. I just don't think it's happening. He is droppable. I don't think borderline. I don't know about dynasty leagues. I'd be fine holding on yeah. to a redraft. Like you, you got to drop him. He's done. On the flip side, we saw JJ McKissick miss. Uh, so we had total focus on just uh, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. I thought they both looked pretty decent together. Do you like that as a backfield for Washington? I, I mean, aside from the you, fact that Gibson should be getting more touches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we would hope Gibson would be the guy. I do like it in the fact that it seems like Heineke is more willing to dump off to Gibson um, when he's not throwing hospital balls down the field and getting his wide receivers killed. I just I feel like this is a lesser version of what we just talked about, though, with the Jets. Like, I don't know that I feel great playing either one of them. Like I, I said with, with Carter – and with Robinson, you can probably play both of them, and you're you're likely not going to be super disappointed most of the time. I don't know that I'd feel great playing either one of these because Washington just alone is not a, a really good team. I was actually kind of surprised they were leading this game for as long as they were. Um, so I, I don't – I just think that, that they need to blow everything up much like Indy is. So we'll see. I mean, I think if you got one of them, you're probably fine to start them in your flex spot, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I'm with you. They, they've ridden the middle ground too long, but it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Dan Snyder. I'm sure you saw the report. Uh, I'm sure you and Dennis might have touched on it on Friday about him exploring sales. There could be some serious change happening in Washington because that's an organization I would imagine could use a restart. No, we, we actually did not touch on it. I believe last that was it like Jeff Bezos is interested in buying and, and some other um, big name people. But they just link him to any it. sports team opening because he's got all that money. Yeah. I mean, hey, if he wants to throw some my way. Yeah. Well, Look, complain. you know what? I don't know if they have the Powerball in Texas, but when I saw it hit 1.9 billion, I'm spending my $3. I'm taking a shot. I mean, look, I, I saw a bunch of people talking about that on Twitter, actually. They're like, hey, let's all jump in a pool together and we can buy the Washington Commanders. I'm like, Fuck y'all, I'm going to keep my mind's money. Also, sadly, you you could not make enough on the Powerball to buy an NFL Oh, I know, but even then, money. like, even if it was that much, I'm like, no, I don't want, I have no interest well, in why being would you a minority to owner in the Washington Commanders. Just give me my money. Digressing for a moment, my favorite part about this Powerball thing is, you know, it's $1.9 billion, but that's if you take the 20-year annuity, most people cash out, and they're like, you'd only get $965 million. Only? I mean, only, I can make yeah, that work for me. I know. <laughs> I saw a lot of people complaining about this, like, oh, whoever wins this, like, the U.S. government wins again with all the taxes. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm still set for life. My grandkids are set. My great, 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 great grandkids are set for life. Like, if you can't Such make 900 problems. million work for you, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't know what kind of life you're living. If you can't make 900 million work for you, I'm sorry. Well, we only had two afternoon games yesterday, and both of them were kind of interesting. In the first one, the Seahawks went to Arizona and got the 31-21 to win. We'll get to the sad sack Cardinals in a minute, but 6-3 and three now for Seattle. Geno Smith spreading the ball around, got Noah Fant going, got Lockett going, got Metcalf going. Ken Walker, three, looks incredible. Um, how good is this Seahawks team? Man. So Shocking. And, and they really are. Well, I mean, even more so for me, I don't know if you remember this. We, we run simulations every year. 
um, to, to, to pick our, uh, like how we think the teams are going to finish. We talk about in our record predictions. I had them going 0-17 to begin the thing, and then I changed it, and they won like three games. They've been great. It really makes me wonder. Just, I, I still think Russ is a good player. I'm not trying to say this is because of Russ getting out of town, but I wonder if it's just there was so much so much dysfunction in that franchise last year between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And now that he's gone, like it just seems like they're back to what they were when there wasn't that dysfunction. It's insane to say, I mean, Kenneth Walker, who would have thought coming into the year, he was going to be the best rookie running back. I mean, I was very high on him back in his wake forest days before he did anything. Even I wasn't expecting him to look this good. I mean, he put up almost 30 fantasy points yesterday. Like he has just yeah, been 109 for them. two touchdowns and he caught three passes for 20 yeah. yards. He saved my fantasy day. I, I mean, yeah. I there's he, I have him in a couple spots going and he's the reason I'm probably going to win a couple of those. Like it's just, he's been amazing. Did you? So, it's the Germany game in week 10, not to skip too far ahead. The Seahawks go to play Tampa Bay. They said Ken Walker doesn't have a passport. He might not get to travel. <laughs> that sucks. I mean, by one token, I'm like, should the team not have been looking into this yeah. a while ago? Did they not have people for this? I'm sure they'll probably get sorted out. But it would oh, be it's the NFL. I feel like they'll figure out a way to get them there perfectly. But it makes fine, sense. But... Like a twenty-two-year-old kid out of college might not yeah. have a passport. Oh my! Uh, I mean, like I don't think I'm throwing this person under the. My wife doesn't have a passport. Or she does, but it's not. Um, I had never had anymore. a passport until the summer. We got them because uh, you know the reason I wasn't on on Friday. We went on a cruise to Ensenada. We went and got passports for that but I, i'm 41 yeah. years old i've never had a passport so yeah i mean she, hers like what was it i don't want to say it's not declined it, it they got expire expired yeah 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 football fans so the first sunday of the nfl season is here and DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl is giving new customers a can't miss offer to celebrate the return of the nfl season right now new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly and as an added bonus for week one, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at Sportsbook, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. On the flip side, uh, man, the Arizona Cardinals fall to 3-6, and six, uh, only posting 21 points. Kyler Murray continues to kind of do it all for them, but it, it's just not been enough. Are the Cardinals done this season? I mean, yeah. they're easily the last. Well, I forgot about the Rams. They're not doing well in their own division, but it, they just look like a team that needs new everything. So even the past couple of years, I know a lot of people have not necessarily been a big fan of Kyler Murray. I have not, at least I cannot remember him being almost this kind of like dysfunctional on the sideline that I've seen him be so far this year from the, whatever that was Thursday night game two weeks ago where they were playing the saints were like the, the Amazon crew, I believe, caught him. They didn't catch the audio, but if you read the lips, you could tell where he was literally telling his own head coach to shut the F up, yelling at him to shut the F up, walking to the sideline. Again, yesterday with him cursing out DeAndre Hopkins. We've seen other times uh, here recently where he's been cursing out teammates. Like, I don't remember Kyler Murray seemingly to be this frustrated with everything going on. Now, maybe... That's because, for the most part, Arizona has been good and been in the playoff hunt where now they are just not playing well at all. But it's just 
it's a weird look. And I think they, you could put them kind of right in that same boat as Indianapolis where for the past couple of years, they've been trying to do everything they could to just be all in to make the playoffs and do something. And I think they've kind of sacrificed a lot. And now I think they're kind of paying for that. And I'm going to be very curious to see what happens. I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury's buyout is, but I feel like he's got to be gone. Like it's just, this is not working out and, and, keeping him for two more years i believe he signed a three-year extension No, i think it's even more than that jeez i just i don't see how that works out well remember we talked about this when it happened i felt like it was the dumbest contract extension when they did it last year he signed through the 2027 season uh so he's got a five-year deal you know it's 2022 Yikes. I thought it was an incredibly dumb because it was a super long-term extension for a guy who hadn't done anything. And then it was all predicated on this idea that he and Kyler Murray are super close, but I never felt like they were super close. And you're right. The, the cracks in that facade have sprung wide open. And I'm going to be curious. We we've noted as a professional coach at both the college and the professional level, his teams have been dreadful in the second half after hot starts. Even in the NFL, they've started strong. They've faded down the stretch, but they've started strong. Three and six, they started dreadful. If he has another El Fado, I mean, is this a four-win team? Is this a five-win team? They don't really look good, per se, in anything. No, not at all. I mean, like I said, you could argue the past couple of years, like that offense was, as you mentioned, like has faded down the stretch, but earlier in the season, like they look like one of the best offenses in the NFL. I mean, Kyler Murray was consistently in the NFL MVP conversation most of the time through this point in the season, the past couple of years. They just, they just, it looks like it's coming off the rails. I'll be, like I said, I'll be very curious if they bring Cliff Kingsbury back next year. But I don't, again, I don't even know what that does for that team if they fire him. And if they bring him back, does that mean they move on from Murray? Because see, they 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 managed to do long term to both of them this off yeah. season with the idea that their futures were wedded together. But they don't even seem like they want to be. The guy. I don't yeah. I don't get what they're doing. On to another team that seems a, a little bit lost, and that's the Rams, who traveled into Tampa Bay, had a lead for most of this game, but managed to lose 16-13. The Rams dropped to three and five on the season. Stafford only 165 passing yards. Cam Akers gets activated after they either could not find a trade partner or decided not to trade him, it's unclear which, gets five carries for three yards. Other than Cooper Cup, the Rams really don't have anything going on offense. Is it time to stop considering them a serious contender? Yes. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is just how bad that offensive line is. Um, and I think some of that, obviously, is you lose Andrew Whitworth, who retires finally. And they also had, I believe, a couple injuries on that offensive line. But... I, I didn't get a chance to see a ton of this game, but from the stuff I've saw and obviously just stuff that's happened so far this year, like Stafford's getting so much pressure up the middle. He just can't do anything. And I think that just matters so much. And, and I feel like it's a trend here again. We we've talked a lot already today about these teams that were going all in for Super Bowl appearances and how it's really not working out. You're starting to see the depth get shown here for teams like this. The Rams are one of them. They're probably the biggest offenders here in that, where they've just gone all in as, uh, my God, uh, Will, it's not Willie Sneed, Sam Sneed, right? That's a, yeah. Sam Sneed Sam has Sneed. literally been on the record less, saying, Less F, Sneed. Less Sneed. I'm sorry. Yeah. Less Sneed saying, F them picks in the championship parade. Well, I mean, he's kind of probably McVay's right there. Now. Your cousin's well, right there with him. See, but the thing is with McVeigh, like that dude could walk away right now and he's going to be perfectly fine. Like, Part of me wonders if McVeigh and Aaron Donald. I think he is regret not retiring. I think they both were considering it. Yeah. Well, and so, and I brought this up earlier, and I feel like this is actually played out right. Like we, I was looking because I was trying to figure out. um, Obviously, Justin Fields has been amazing the past couple weeks. We talked a little bit about him on Friday. It was was on Thursday, Thursday or Friday, that he's like up to QB eleven on the season. Like he's having Mm. a good year. So I went back to look, and like none of us were super far out. I believe you and Matt, you are Matt, you and Dennis had him ranked at like QB fifteen. I had him at QB thirteen. So like we weren't super out on him coming into the season. But when I was looking at it, reminded me that like 
I was the only one who didn't have Brady in my top 12. And I mentioned at the time, I was like, look, like all these NFL players say, once you start mentioning being retired, like that means that you're not fully invested in what's going on. I might want to say that's the whole thing, but I think that applies here to Aaron Donald and Sean McVay too. Like the season's not going well. You were already talking about retiring at the, at the beginning of the year. Is that just kind of where your mindset's at now? Like, I don't think they make the playoffs at this point. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're both gone at this point. I So I almost go slightly the other way. I'm with you. I'm actually thinking they may not make the playoffs. Seattle is not fading. The 49ers have a better roster. But I almost wonder <clears> – <throat> if how bad things are going right now is the impetus that both Donald and McVeigh don't want to go out that way. I mean, it's a dangerous game, but you're talking about some highly competitive people who could have retired off of a Super Bowl championship yeah. and decided to come back to run it back. If they end up, you know, like a seven and 10 season or an eight and nine season, I think they're gonna be like, no, that's not how I end. That's, that's not how I go down. I could see them doing that, but at the same point, it's one of those things where how much better is the team going to get next year? Yeah. Well, because, not demonstrably. Yeah. And I well, think that's where, that's who where that mindset comes in. Alan Robinson would miss Mitch Trubisky yeah. being his quarterback. <laughs> yeah. That, that's been a miss by everybody right there. That's wow. That's been bad. On the flip side, the Buccaneers still don't look incredible, but they got the win. They're four and five. Fortunately, they're tied with Atlanta for the tops. They're lucky to play in the division they do. Rather than dwell on that, Kate Otten, five catches, 68 yards, a touchdown. We've talked about them kind of missing that Gronkowski-type role. Cameron Brate's been out. We've seen Otten get a bigger chance. I like what he's doing. What do you think? Yeah, he's looked good. Um, Probably... You, well, not even probably. You, he's been the best tight end so far this season, right? Best rookie tight end. We, we know how much Brady is liked going to the tight ends, even back in New England. I think with the injuries there at this point, if he's available on your waiver while on redraft leagues, I'm grabbing him. I'm probably starting him every single week. Just Mike Evans seems to be having a down year. I mean, my goodness, I don't know what's going on with, with Chris Godwin. That They're constantly looking for that third option. Looks like it might be Kate Hutton. I would feel perfectly fine grabbing him and starting him every single week. They can't run either. They're another team, the offensive line. But we we thought that might be a problem because Brady struggles with pressure right up the middle. I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it's been. Well, I, in fairness to him, too, he's also had they've had a ton of injuries on that offensive line. What are they down to? Like some of the third string oh, yeah. players on that offensive and line? Some of the Rams, even yeah. the you know, you knew it was gonna be harder with Whitworth retiring, but Whitworth's replacements gone yeah. for the year. I mean, they've lost some notable people too. Uh the final game of the night was Sunday night football, where the Tennessee Titans went in to play the Chiefs. When the Chiefs got up nine-nothing, I'm gonna be honest, I was on the cruise ship. I tuned out because I was like, this is going where I thought it was gonna be going. Then I started seeing some text messages in uh, in a group I was in. I went back to look and I was like, gosh darn it, if the Chiefs didn't end up getting behind and having to come back before winning in overtime. We'll get to them in a minute, but Tennessee, second straight game, no Ryan Tannehill. We got Malik Willis, Sterling, five of 16 for 80 yards, 48 of that coming to Chig Awonkwo on a single pass play. Derrick Henry continues to kill it on the ground, but is this lack of a passing game? You know, it's not like Tannehill was exactly lighting it on fire. Is the lack of a passing game hurting Tennessee? I honestly don't think I'm qualified to talk about Tennessee anymore. I had them picked to be like the last in this division. I felt like there's no way that they're going to have a winning record. And yet here they are again, even though they lost last night, top of the AFC South, probably going to make the playoffs again. Like they of course are playing against three dumpster fires. No one has a worse division to play against than the Tennessee type. It's one of those things where like, I just, I, like I remember talking about at the beginning of the season, like Mike Vrabel and, and Ryan Tannehill are probably both gone from Tennessee. It's going to be Malik Willis move forward. Blah, blah, blah. That's all wrong. Like it's just been bad, 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 bad. Everything I've said about Tennessee. I've, you know, claimed Derrick Henry is going to retire every year for like the past three years. He's 2000 yard rusher a couple years ago. Um, But I definitely think that the passing game is hurting them some, 
but they don't want to go to the passing game. They're perfectly fine handing the ball off to Derrick Henry 40 times again in a game and having only Malik Willis throw the ball 13 times. I do think having Ryan Tannehill back will help them, though, because while they never pass a ton with Tannehill, he's definitely been more efficient with it, and he also brings that little bit of dynamism with his legs. I know Malik Willis brings that as well, but he's just still raw. Um, and we talked a lot about that coming into the season. I felt like he was not going to be ready to go. He's just a very raw prospect coming from Liberty, where he did a lot of good things, but there's a lot of bad that you're not going to be able to do in the NFL. And I think we've seen a little bit about that. Now, he had a couple plays, at least from us. I'll be a hunch on us and not watch this game at all. But I did watch the highlights of it this morning. I was, um, yeah, as uh, I went on a Love is Blind binge. Highlights. It was a uh, a big big fan of the show, so I you know I was uh, I was getting my drama on last night. I did not think it was going to be a good game. Turned out to be wrong there. So yeah, I watched the highlights of it. What what you could I guess key moments of the game. I'll put it that way. Um, and I saw that he did have uh, two really good passes that were dropped um, as well by wide receivers. But I do think this team could take a step forward once Tannehill comes back. Well, and they need Traylon Burks back because it's not like yes. they had a lot of depth. But I don't know about you. I, the most surprising to me has been Robert Woods, who I thought was still a pretty quality receiver. We just haven't seen him be able to get going in any way. I don't know if it's coming off of an injury or the style of play they have, but that's been a mystery to me. I thought he was going to be at least playable. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I said earlier this offseason I thought he would be the one in that offense, even though everyone wanted Burks to be. I I do think some of it probably is coming off the ACL injury at his age, but I just he doesn't look like the same player. And if we're being honest, I kind of feel like we had those questions about him last year too, and it wasn't like we kept talking about, like, is Robert Woods kind of done with the Rams? But then Sean McVay, like, forced the ball to him that one game. Like, what was it? Like, he had 18 targets or something like that. Had a couple big games. Like, oh, okay, Robert Woods is back, and we're all excited. And then he ended up getting injured, and maybe we were actually seeing kind of like he was on the decline there, and, and we just didn't buy into it because he ended up having that big game. On the flip side, for the Chiefs, they improved to 6-2, and two, tied for the best record in the AFC. But they seem to have a glaring weakness. Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, they combined for 12 carries, just 14 rushing yards. We've talked about that being a problem for Buffalo, ending up having to rely too much on Josh Allen to both run and pass. Chiefs are seemingly doing the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Is that a problem that's going to bite him in the rear? Yes, um, and I think in a worse way than the Bills, because I actually think Devin Singletary's been pretty good. And I, I think you w- you could argue he's been at least better than what the Chiefs have been doing in their backfield. The biggest difference is, and this is no shot at Patrick Mahomes, while he's an incredible passer, he is not nearly the athlete that Josh Allen is. Like, Josh Allen can make you pay on the ground when he needs to. Patrick Mahomes can pick up rushing yards and, and he will burn you there if you give him that opportunity, but he's not Josh Allen. Um, and I, I do think that that is going to end up hurting them because we kind of have seen that the past couple of years, right? When they, when these teams force Kansas city to be one dimensional and passing the ball, we've seen defenses be able to shut them down. A lot of times it came in like, not necessarily garbage time, but it was Patrick Mahomes extending plays and then Tyree kill getting open to make that big thing, I know everybody was saying Kadarius Tony is going to be the new Tyree killer. How'd that work out for you guys? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here, especially not having Tyree kill. So it, it's it's going to be intriguing. Like, as weird as this is to say, and I know they lost Jordan Davis, which seemed to hurt them a little bit, but like, I think Philadelphia is the only complete team in the NFL right now. And if they don't suffer any more injuries, I think they're the clear number one team. Well, so the thing you would say probably about the three chief contenders in the NFC being Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Dallas is all of them have good defense, decent passing weapons, and a substantial running game. Minnesota probably more on edge than others because if something happens to Dalvin Cook, I don't know that they – but that has been kind of a material weakness for – a lot of the bigger AFC teams, because even the Dolphins, like I, I like what they have in Jeff Wilson. I think that may actually have answered some of that question, but they're pretty much all the all gas passing attack. 
And then you have the Jets and the Titans, which are the inverse of that, which is like the all running team, you know, which at least the Jets can pass on occasion. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm really starting to dislike Mike McDaniels. I really liked him as a hire, but me and him are not in good terms right now. For the Dolphins? Yeah. What, uh, what bothers you about the Dolphins? The fact that they're very good and could win a Super Bowl right now. Oh. I was <laughs> Oh yeah. <I> forgot. <laughs> I was, things were looking great a year and a half ago. Mike McDaniels is really starting like I'm already figuring out prime real estate on my back right now for a dolphin tattoo. Because things are not looking great. I, I forgot about that. Well, uh final game uh, of the week is tonight. We have the uh, Baltimore Ravens, or what's left of them, with Bateman, Andrews, and Gus Edwards unavailable. It's uh, Lamar Jackson and the Yellow All-Stars of Devin DuVernay, Isaiah Likely, and surprisingly, Kenyon Drake. Thank God, because I had to start him somewhere. Let's go, Drake! <laughs> There's, I'm trying to think. There's somebody I started in desperation this week. Um uh, I bought the internet package on the cruise specifically okay. because on Friday I remembered I forgot to fix my lineups uh-huh. and I ended up having to go back and fix them every day. There's like the injury yeah. apocalypse going on. Uh, and then for the saints, obviously Michael Thomas, I don't know what to do about that. I put, you know, the year in which I drafted a lot of my dynasty teams was exactly the wrong time for Michael Thomas to have taken this three year term. Yeah, <laughs> One of the weirdest, like, three years ago, I don't think anybody could have predicted this. I mean, sets that record, looks like he's just going to be on pace to be this high-end wide receiver one for another four, five, six years, and just nothing. It's it's been extremely weird. Yeah, if you need a Monday night miracle, uh, you know, you got to throw those YOLO balls of Isaiah Likely and Taysom Hill out and hope one of them hits for you. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I'm a little disappointed because I like binge the rest of Love Is Blind. So, like, I don't even have anything to watch tonight. I don't want to watch that game. If I'm being honest, I don't think it's going to be a good game. I'm sure you'll be able to find something, but uh, I'm still taking the Ravens. Yeah, same. I, I that that defense, I think, will be able to slow down Sir Dalton and Chris Olave. Well, that'll do it for us today. Matt and I will be back on Wednesday. Until then, go to your favorite podcast app. Give us a rate and a review. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die, Lee. Only tackle in the corner. Who?